welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 157. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by the sleeping giant himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. You're right. There's no sleeping on the job here, but there's certainly a lot of learning out loud, particularly in today's episode, isn't there? How good is that? And, you know, we are about to disrupt ourselves I think for a second time in this health series, aren't we, Mark? That's right. Today, and to show number 157, we're jumping in, Mike, into Dr. Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep, The New Science of Sleep and Dreams, which is number two in our brand new Never Touched Before health series. And boy, this health series is kind of rocking our world a little bit. We focused on something that we do perhaps more than anything else, breathing in our last episode. And I tell you what, Mark, something I'm quite partial to is a good old nap. The afternoon nap or just a big eight-hour block of sleeping, it just, oh, the rejuvenation that comes from sleep. So what a delight it is to study author Matthew Walker and his very popular book, Why We Sleep. And we've got science, we've got practical tips We've got some hacks that you can do. I mean, we're going all throughout the universe of sleeping. And Mark, I think the short of it is if you want to be at your best at home or in the office, anywhere in between, you got to get your sleep sorted. So you should buckle in for this show because I think we're going to share a number of tips, some of which even I did not know. That's right. And as a quick scene setter, Mike, for you and I Mm. and our listeners, If you were to Google how much you sleep in your lifetime, the average um, number of years that people tend to sleep in their life is around 26, 26 years of your life, obviously depending on on how you go, is, is spent asleep. So I think it's something that we all do exactly like you just said, breathing. I think breathing and sleep are are things that are so intrinsic to all of us and we do a lot of. But I think until now, and digging into Matthew Walker's book, I didn't really appreciate it either, how fundamentally important and even surprising the importance of sleep can be for us. So I think today we've got that action-packed show and loads and loads of great clips from Matthew. Fantastic. I mean, the um, opportunity for for you, me, and all of our listeners is to, in fact, learn out loud, maybe to get some of the science uh, behind sleeping, uh, maybe to share some of these ideas that sleeping and a good sleep is more than just feeling like capable and competent when you wake up. Like, you, you know, Mark, I'm, I've been very guilty of just like one of those guys that just worked really hard during the week and tried to catch up um, on on the weekend, I was guilty of being like pretty exhausted by Thursday, certainly by Friday. Like, Mark, I, I, I'm going to go as far as saying that for a lot of my career, more than 20 years, I've just sort of been a mess by Friday just due to like working so hard, so intensely, maybe cutting corners on my sleep. And it's just not good, is it? Well, you hear so many, you know, habit hacking approaches in life, you know, oh, you want to start your own business, stay up late or wake up early. And I think this is very, very true for a lot of us where we've perhaps sacrificed 
how much you get a good night's sleep in favor of doing that work. And I think mm. what Matthew reveals to us today in show 157 is exactly that. The importance of sleep goes far beyond just the ability to perform the next day or the next mm. week. But in fact, as a whole in your being, it's so fundamental to being the best version of yourself. It's unavoidable and, and we mm. should all take ownership and control over how much good sleep we get every single night. You're absolutely right. So I think you've just set it up perfectly. So with no further ado, let's listen to author Matthew Walker, who wrote Why We Sleep. Let's listen uh, to Matthew talking about the importance of sleep. Let me start with the brain and the functions of learning and memory. Because what we've discovered over the past 10 or so years is that you need sleep after learning to essentially hit the save button on those new memories so that you don't forget. But recently we discovered that you also need sleep before learning. And now to actually prepare your brain, um, almost like a dry sponge, ready to initially soak up new information. And without sleep, the memory circuits of the brain essentially become waterlogged, as it were, and you can't absorb new memories. So let me show you the data. Um, here in this study, we decided to test the hypothesis that pulling the all-nighter was a good idea. So we took a group of uh, individuals and we assigned them to one of two experimental groups, a sleep group and a sleep deprivation group. Now, the sleep group, they're going to get a full eight hours of slumber. But the deprivation group, we're going to keep them awake in the laboratory under full supervision. Um, there's no naps or caffeine, by the way, so it's miserable for everyone involved. And then the next day, we're going to place those participants inside an MRI scanner. And we're going to have them try and learn a whole list of new facts as we're taking snapshots of brain activity. And then we're going to test them to see how effective that learning has been. And that's what you're looking at here on the vertical axis. And when you put those two groups head to head, what you find is a quite significant 40% deficit in the ability of the brain to make new memories without sleep. I think this should be concerning considering what we know is happening to sleep in our education populations right now. In fact, to put that in context, it would be the difference in a child acing an exam versus failing it miserably, 40%. And we've gone on to discover what goes wrong within your brain to produce these types of learning disabilities. And there's a structure that sits on the left and the right side of your brain called the hippocampus. And you can think of the hippocampus almost like the informational inbox of your brain. It's very good at receiving new memory files and then holding on to them. And when you look at this structure in those people who'd had a full night of sleep, we saw lots of healthy learning-related activity. Yet in those people who were sleep-deprived, we actually couldn't find any significant signal whatsoever. So it's almost as though sleep deprivation had shut down your memory inbox and any new incoming files, they were just being bounced. You couldn't effectively commit new experiences to memory. I mean, Mike, what a way to kick off the show with a dose of truth 
from Dr. Matthew Walker. <laughs> I mean, yeah, wasn't it interesting, you know, that he, he used this analogy that sleep is like a save button. So it's not only about being awake, ready to learn and perform, but it's how you with, uh, withhold and retain and build upon that knowledge or that work or that, that experience. That, that was quite interesting for me because we often just think about, oh, I have to get a good night's sleep so I can do my big thing tomorrow so I can perform. Mm. But he's actually making the case there, like you actually need to do it just to, um, you know, hit the save button on everything that happened during the day. Yeah, it's it's really, really interesting for me. I mean, there's been times in my life, as I'm sure there are for yourself and our listeners, where I've pulled on nighters, whether as a child uh, playing video games all night long, or when I got into my career, genuinely pulling all nighters in the office, sleeping under a desk for maybe half an hour before a client turns up at 9am. <laughs> I think I think we've all probably done that before. And I think the this really surprising thing actually for me is the science that proves uh, as Matthew's broken down with MRI scans the deficit of 40% in performance i mean if i'm building on what matthew was saying it is the difference between an an a grade for a student and maybe a d grade <clears throat> so pass or a fail but also as i think about my own career what impact a 40% deficit has had on my work the following days uh, or maybe even the week following is absolutely staggering. And this idea of hitting the save button, allowing yourself to rest, and most importantly, allowing your brain to sort of uh, make those synaptic connections, retain that information, and actually be ready for the next day in order to absorb more information is, is absolutely staggering and surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot inside of the book, um, you know, that really is like a big slap in the face, isn't it? Like just a few things that I've pulled from the book. Like, um, if you, um, have 10 days with just seven hours of sleep, this is equal to a 24 hour sleep deprivation uh, period and the brain dysfunction caused from that. So let me, let's just unpack that for a second. So you go 10 days with seven hours sleep. That is equal to having an all-nighter and all the dysfunction that comes from, from having an, an all-nighter. So think about this. How many of us, you, me, and all of our listeners, have perhaps had weeks or at least one, maybe two weeks in a row where you've only on average got seven hours of sleep? That is is equal. If you do that for just 10 days, that is the equivalent to going 24 hours without sleep. And just when you've done that, just remember how dysfunctional <laughs> we're like zombies, you know, barely compass mentis. Um, that's just shaving off one hour a day. That's what it does, Mark. So that, so let me, let me build on that because this is fascinating. So there are 30 days in a month. So let's say t- every uh, 10 days, you go with only seven hours of sleep. This mm. is the equivalent of having three all-nighters every single month, almost <laughs> one a week. I, If I did that, I would be exhausted and I would obviously not be able to perform to the best of my ability. But the truth is, there's certainly been times in my life when I've probably gone more than a week, maybe even two, three, maybe even four weeks of less than seven hours sleep. I had mm. no idea that that's the effect 
and the dysfunction that it has on my brain until now. That's fascinating. Mm. Yeah. And look, the, the, I think the, the key thing here is we have a choice. Do we want to make sleep like a non-negotiable? I think, um, and it's um, what you're going to hear in the the rest of the clips is that it, this is way, way, way more than just feeling like energized or alert during the day. This will affect um, our performance, our overall health. There's even direct links to the lack of sleep and cancer. Mm. So sustained lack of sleep results in really genetic uh, disease. And so this, this really makes it, um, a moment for, for us, Mark, and all of our listeners to say, do we want to prioritize sleep? Do we want to make that as an essential habit? And, you know, we've done a lot around habit design. So what's coming up, uh, for the rest of the show is we're going to get into like the brain and how it really, uh, is affected by sleep, how our bodies, we're going to get into like what it takes uh, to get a good night's sleep, some of the things we can do. And we're going to bring it really home and, and show and demonstrate how good sleep behavior is going to result in benefits far beyond just being a good uh, entrepreneur. So that's pretty action-packed, isn't it, in a, yeah, that, isn't it Mike? That, that's very, very action-packed. And talking about action-packed, Mike, we've got a number of members and listeners who deserve a bit of a shout out, don't they? They're certainly not. I'm hoping they're getting good night's sleep and I'm sure they will after today's show, but they're certainly joining us mm. on the Moonshot show alive and kicking, aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I think it's only appropriate that we do a shout out. So, so Mark, let's, uh, let's kind of tip the hat uh, to all of our members on Patreon. That's right. Members on Patreon, drumroll please. Welcome back, Bob and Niles, John, Terry and Bridie, Niall and Sandy, Marjoline and Ken, Dietmar, Tom, Byron and Mark, Helena, Yaniv, Yam, uh, Marjan, Connor and Rodrigo. Welcome guys and thank you for joining us via the Patreon platform. Great to have you with us. Yes, and if you do want to become a member, head over to moonshots.io, click on the big member button, because once you remember, you'll get access to our exclusive master series where we go even deeper than we do on this show. So head over to moonshots.io, become a member. It's all hooked up through Patreon, so it's nice and easy. And your support is very much appreciated because when you contribute to us, it helps us pay our hosting bills, uh, our website bill, um, and it actually helps us uh, put together such a, a regular every single week, 52 weeks a year. We put this show together for you, our listeners, the Moonshotters. So we deeply appreciate your support. We're very grateful for you learning out loud with us. And talking about learning, Mark, I feel like my brain wants to understand sleep some more. Yeah, that's right. I went to bed nice and early last night so I would absorb and retain information, much like Matthew was calling it on that first clip. So then in this next clip, we've got Matthew going one level deeper. He's going to break down for us the idea on sleep and the aging effect that it has for us if we don't get enough of it. So this next clip we're going to hear from is Matthew breaking down sleep and our brains. Because it's, of course, no secret that as we get older, our learning and memory abilities begin to fade and decline. But what we've also discovered is that a physiological signature of aging is that your sleep gets worse, especially that deep quality of sleep that I was just discussing. 
And only last year, we finally published evidence that these two things, they're not simply co-occurring, they are significantly interrelated. And it suggests that the disruption of deep sleep is an underappreciated factor that is contributing to cognitive decline or memory decline in aging and most recently we've discovered in Alzheimer's disease as well. Now, I know this is remarkably depressing news. Um, it's in the mail, it's coming at you, but there's a potential silver lining here. Unlike many of the other factors that we know are associated with aging, um, for example, changes in the physical structure of the brain, that's fiendishly difficult to treat. But that sleep is a missing piece in the explanatory puzzle of aging and Alzheimer's is exciting because we may be able to do something about it. And one way that we are approaching this um, at my sleep center is not by using sleeping pills, by the way. Unfortunately, they are blunt instruments that do not produce naturalistic sleep. Instead, we're actually developing a method based on this. It's called direct current brain stimulation. You insert a small amount of voltage into the brain, so small you typically don't feel it, but it has a measurable impact. Now, if you apply this stimulation during sleep in young, healthy adults, um, as if you're sort of singing in time with those deep sleep brainwaves, not only can you amplify the size of those deep sleep brainwaves, but in doing so, we can almost double the amount of memory benefit that you get from sleep. The question now is whether we can translate this same affordable, potentially portable piece of technology into older adults and those with dementia. Can we restore back some healthy quality of deep sleep? And in doing so, can we salvage aspects of their learning and memory function? That is my real hope now. That's one of our moonshot goals, as it were. Uh, a moonshot. He's talking our language, isn't he, Mark? Yeah, he is. He's talking our language. Thanks, Matthew, for giving us a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing, Mark. When we talk about sleep in the brain, when I have had a good pattern of sleep, and it's not just one or two days, let, let, me, let me go as far as saying like, if I have two weeks of really good, consistent sleep, here's how I feel uh, during my day. I don't feel, when, at, at that moment of waking, like when I've really slept well, I don't feel like I'm sort of battling gravity to get out of the bed. It's almost like I just kind of flow and cruise out of the bed like naturally. You know how sometimes you can feel really heavy when you get out of bed? Like it's like gravity's pulling you back into the bed. Do you ever do you ever have that? Yeah, there's plenty of times when I've woken up, you know, even if I haven't had a drink the night before. <laughs> you know, and it's where, a Saturday. Where you morning. thought, did I have a drink? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where you wake up and you think, oh, I'm a bit a bit heavy and it is, it's mm. my brain sort of reacting and responding to, to, I think not having that great night's sleep. So what it does is it impacts my, my, my mood, my ability to have that get up and go attitude. Yeah. Now the, you know, once you've kind of wrestled yourself out of bed, um, the other thing I notice, 
like sort of to create this very stark contrast, when I have had that period of good sleep, say let's say a week or two, the other thing I notice is that um, I'm more inclined to be genuinely naturally optimistic and positive about the morning. Like I just know, notice that um, my mood instantly before stretching, before a cup of coffee or some journaling or breathing exercise, whatever I'm going to do in the morning, I just generally have a better disposition to the world. But the big one I want to pitch to you, Mark, around cognitive function is that when I'm working when I'm uh, writing, discussing, and thinking, I feel like I'm seeing and imagining the world through high definition. Whereas when I'm not well slept, I'm a little bit foggy. My my thoughts are not as crisp. My responses are a bit more muddled. Uh, for example, if I'm uh, discussing some approach, an idea with a client, like I kind of notice I take a little while to get going if I haven't slept well. Whereas when I'm well slept and in a good rhythm, my thinking is like laser-like precise in my mind. It feels crisp, high definition. And um, I'm able to um, perform at a very high level uh, relative to my potential, whatever that may be. But I feel like I'm, I'm really well geared and um, also my capacity to recall previous conversations is much more instant. Like I can connect dots and, and so forth. Mark, for me, that's what, you know, is how I relate to sleep and the brain. How do you, when, when you heard the author Matthew Walker there talking about, you know, our recall and uh, the relationship of brain and sleep, what comes to your mind? Like, how do you see it in your life? For me, it's definitely an impact on focus, like you were saying. So if I'm waking up and I'm feeling pretty good, there are less distractions in my brain. There's less uh, things that are pulling my attention away from whatever it is that I have to do, whether it's on the weekend and I want to have a good uh, weekend planned. Maybe it's active. Maybe it's just seeing family and friends. There's that laser-like focus. But also during the week when I'm working on a project or like you say with a client or even on the Moonshot show, my focus is far more concise and precise yeah. because I've woken up feeling, to be honest, I think good night's sleep makes me feel happier. It makes me feel yeah. happier, uh, healthier, and therefore I don't have all of those distractions that might be playing in my mind around, oh, I, I haven't had a good night's sleep, so therefore yeah. I'm not going to perform my best. And then my confidence takes a hit, then my general well-being takes a hit, and what happens is that day, or at least the morning, becomes you almost feel like it's a write-off, and you assume, <laughs> oh, I can't do this, so I'm going to make an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're so true. But listen, it doesn't stop there, Mark. Actually, what Matthew Walker goes on to do is say, you know, there's this direct relationship between sleep and the brain. Here's the good news. What we're going to do now is hear from Matthew Walker about sleep and the body. But as a deeper dive, I want to focus on this, sleep loss and your immune system. And here I'll introduce these delightful blue elements in the image. They are called natural killer cells. 
And you can think of natural killer cells almost like the secret service agents of your immune system. Um, they are very good at identifying dangerous, unwanted elements and eliminating them. In fact, what they're doing here is destroying a cancerous tumor mass. So what you wish for is a virile set of these immune assassins at all times. And tragically, that's what you don't have if you're not sleeping enough. So here in this experiment, you're not going to have your sleep deprived for an entire night. You're simply going to have your sleep restricted to four hours for one single night. And then we're going to look to see what's the percent reduction in immune cell activity that you suffer. And it's not small. It's not 10%. It's not 20%. There was a 70% drop in natural killer cell activity. That's a concerning state of immune deficiency. And you can perhaps understand why we're now finding significant links between short sleep duration and your risk for the development of numerous forms of cancer. Currently, that list includes cancer of the bowel, cancer of the prostate, and cancer of the breast. In fact, the link between a lack of sleep and cancer is now so strong that the World Health Organization has classified any form of nighttime shift work as a probable carcinogen because of a disruption of your sleep-wake rhythms. So you may have heard of that old maxim that you can sleep when you're dead. Well, I'm being quite serious now. It is mortally unwise advice. We know this from epidemiological studies across millions of individuals. There's a simple truth. The shorter your sleep, the shorter your life. Short sleep predicts all-cause mortality. And if increasing your risk for the development of cancer um, or even Alzheimer's disease were not sufficiently um, disquieting, we have since discovered that a lack of sleep will even erode the very fabric of biological life itself, your DNA genetic code. I mean, Mike. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Mark, did he bring it then? That was like a sledgehammer, wasn't it? Yeah, I try not to go for too many superlatives on the show, uh, but I have a feeling that that might be one of the most important uh, lessons that I've, that I've learned in recent mm. memory. This mm. fact that, that he found through the experiment that just reducing your sleep to four hours a night leads to a 70% drop in his immune assassin test. I mean, this is mind-blowing, uh, to, to use superlative for a second, because I don't think I really anticipated nor expected that to have such a profound impact on my body's ability to not only fight off disease, but actually be preventative for disease. Because I understand my body's ability to uh, unconsciously combat uh, bad cells, keep myself healthy. But I did not appreciate that having um, shorter sleep would lead so directly to these these terrible um, diseases that he's that he's referencing. There, I had no idea. 
Yeah, I think this this clip was in service to all of our listeners just to say, if we didn't convince you that you just want to wake up feeling better or you wanted to have better memory, let's just drop the big cancer threat yeah. <laughs> right yeah. up front in the show to say, listen, series uh, part one of our, of our health series was all about breathe and breathe properly. I think part two of our message is sleep and sleep properly. It is so fundamental to your performance, to your overall genetic health. I mean, cellular level this gets to. And I think, wow, we've really got some science to to, to get us on the right track here, don't we, Mark? Yeah. I, I think with sleep, it's something I always took for granted. You know, it's something that we all do and we have to do. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, an average of 26 years, I think that's 29 million hours or something like that. And Again, I, I just kind of took it for, for granted and I just thought, yeah, I'll go to sleep. I'll feel well rested. It's a good time for me to, to reset my brain. I'll wake up the next day feeling better. But I totally underappreciated the actual physical impact it has on me. I can see it from an emotional perspective. I can wake up. I can feel focused. I can feel happy. But having this knock on effect down the line and impacting my body is not an area that I that I would have anticipated before. And, and the call out to shift work, nighttime shift work, having been classified by the World Health Organization as a carcinogenic threat. Again, I had no idea before delving into Matthew's book. And that's pretty frightening, actually. It is. It really is. But I think, you know, the service that we're doing for ourselves, Mark, for you and I and for the listener is to basically support the notion of we all know that when we've had a good sleep, we feel pretty good, but it's more than that. And you can't discount it. You can't cheat this. Actually, you just might, just like you might focus on exercise and getting enough exercise each day, breathing right every day, eating right every day, you also need to sleep right every day. And hopefully what everybody has really uh, sort of taken out of the first half of the show is um, something that I feel personally has been a real aha, uh-huh, which is I must sleep well. To be the best version of myself, I have to get a good eight hours. For me, it's that 10 to six block. I wake up naturally, feel good. And, you know, I've just started the day in a, in a winning way. What I know for sure, and as I, uh, as I get a little grayer, uh, Mark, what I know for sure is if I cut corners on sleep, I am feeling it almost immediately. And if I do it several nights in a row, I, I, I'm a bumbling mess, Mark, but it's more than that. I'm, I'm actually doing more longer term damage. And so this is not a discount I am personally willing to take anymore. So sleep is of the essence, um, much like breath work and, and many other things like meditation. And I think, Mark, we would deeply uh, take the message of Matthew Walker in his book of Why We Sleep. And look, you know, you can negotiate and argue some of the science uh, in his book. So it's an extremely popular book. There are people that love it. There are people who are arguing some of the, some of the data. Put all of that aside. I think there's enough here 
with uh, not only uh, Matthew Walker but James Nestor and many other of these authors that are talking about breath work and sleep and the interrelationship with that and memory and performance and emotional well-being. This is our case for if you want to shoot for the moon, go for a moonshot, you've got to get good sleep, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And the great news, listeners, is we've got an action-packed second half of the show coming up where we're going to hear from Matthew again, giving us some good tips. So you'll hear from Mike and I giving (laughs) our little breakdown on the hacks that we might do, but also you're going to hear from Dr. Walker as well, giving us practical tips on how to improve your sleep hygiene. Yeah. And listen, talking about an essential practice, um, I think um, listening to, to the Moonshots Master Series That sounds pretty essential to me, Mark. And we're so excited to announce that uh, for the past uh, period, our Moonshots Master Series is actually also available through the Apple Podcast app. And uh, this is for those of you who might prefer to uh, listen to the Master Series uh, on their um, on their Apple podcast app and you don't want to do the whole Patreon thing, well, we've made the podcast available as well. So if right now you're listening on an iPhone, just open up the podcast app and actually search for Moonshots Master Series and you will actually find that you can subscribe directly in app to the Master Series where you're going to hear these really deep dives. And I'm talking 90-minute masterclasses, how to get motivated, how to think better, there's a ton of great shows. I think, Mark, where we've already produced five of those master series, the sixth one will be coming soon. And we're delighted to say that when we announced this last week, we've already had a bunch of you jump in and subscribe to our Moonshots Master Series. Mark, it's pretty cool to see the little Moonshots media empire expanding throughout the world and in different platforms, isn't it? That's right. I mean, it's great. We're always going to be pumping out our weekly shows for you, our Moonshot listeners. But now you've got the chance to also join us on the Master Series, which is comprehensive deep dives into topics like motivation, first principle thinking, teamwork, uh, how to generate and maintain good habits, as well as how to control and be aware of your circle of influence. So already we've got five huge topics that we deep dive into and learn out loud together on the master series. So come join us in your Apple podcast channel, because we'd love to see you there. Totally. Now we're going to get into the hard yards. We're going to roll up the sleeves and we're going to do the the really important habit design of making sure that we sleep well. So we've hit you with like the science, the data. Now we're going to hit you with some serious do's and don'ts and we're going to try and unearth how we can all sleep better. And to kick that off, we're going to listen to Matthew Walker and we, we're going to get into his tips on how we can have a good night's sleep. What are things that we can all do tonight and in the future to start getting better sleep? Well, beyond carving out a non-negotiable eight-hour sleep opportunity, there are probably at least five things that we can do. The first is that we have to try and maintain regularity. And if there's one thing that you take away from this, it would be going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time, no matter whether it's the weekday or the weekend, even if you've had a bad night of sleep, still wake up at the same time of day and reset. 
The second thing is that we are a dark deprived society in this modern era. And we need darkness in the evening to allow the release of a hormone called melatonin. And melatonin helps the healthy timing of our sleep. So try to dim down half the lights in your home in the hour before bed. Stay away from screens, especially those LED screens. They emit blue light that actually puts the brakes on melatonin. And those blue light emitting devices fool your brain into thinking that it's still daytime, even though it's nighttime and you want to get to sleep. The third uh, key ingredient is to keep it cool. Many of us actually have a bedroom that's too warm in terms of temperature. So an optimal temperature is about 68 degrees Fahrenheit or about 18 and a half degrees Celsius. And the reason is that your brain and your body need to drop their core temperature by about two to three degrees Fahrenheit to initiate good sleep. And that's the reason that you will always find it easier to fall asleep in a room that's too cold than too hot. So having a cool room actually takes your brain and body in the right temperature direction to get good sleep. Great, Mike. So we've got three big tips there and we'll follow it with another two from Matthew in the next clip as well. So apart from having a good solid eight hours of sleep, what Matthew's calling out to you and I and our listeners is to have a regular routine, very similar to what you were just saying, Mike, about 10 to six, mm. keeping mm. it dark as well as keeping it cool. How are, how are you tracking, Mike, when you think about your sleep pattern? Are you maintaining those three big tips? Oh, I mean, um, I, I, I try to, that's for sure. But I will tell you one thing that I learned from, from preparing this show with you, Mark, which was I have been guilty of when, I'm, when I have a backlog of sleep to make up to doing like the epic sleep in, right? Mm. And what he's saying is do not do that. Like if you have had a bad night's sleep and let's say your wake up time is six and you're feeling like I could really take another couple of hours, he's actually saying that that's actually harmful to your sleep pattern because you kind of break the habit, which makes, now I think about it, it makes total sense, doesn't it? Because even I just got back from traveling in Europe and um, it was a big trip. And, you know, I traveled over 15,000 kilometers from Sydney to, to Bucharest. And, um, you know, I was really jet lagged when I got back. And, um, one particular night I slept from 12 midnight to 12 in the noon of the following day. <laughs> now I, and this was just last week and I'm somebody who's pretty self-aware on sleep. I thought, oh, that was a good one. Like I really smashed away the full bonus hours there. But actually, as as we listen to to Matthew Walker, you realize like actually that wasn't so great. Mm. What I want to do is um, keep to my 10 to 6 schedule. Um, and interestingly enough, it has been the last two nights that I've largely done that and I feel so much better, like totally uh, beat the the jet lag. But I think that's one thing um, mm. that I've been a little bit guilty of is doing the, those catch-ups. Um, how did you respond to his first three tips on how we can build a good sleep habit? The one that stands out to me is the idea of keeping it dark. We, we tend to uh, 
be overexposed to devices, don't we? Whether it's mm. your television, your laptop, your iPad, your phone. And what Matthew's reminding us there is they all have these light emitting diodes and the blue light that we've all heard about now is actually tricking your brain. It's fooling your brain into thinking mm. that it's still daylight. So it makes perfect sense once Matthew Walker breaks it down for us that if it gets to 8, 9, 10 p.m. and you're still using your device, worse still, you're using your device in bed, your brain oh. is, uh, and that's a big no-no, oh. uh, it, it's, it, you're, you're not setting yourself up for a good night's sleep because actually fundamentally you're not turning off. It's as though your brain still thinks it's daylight. So it's not releasing that melatonin. It's not relaxing down. So therefore, when people struggle to fall asleep, well, it's because you've, you're using your device too much or watching the television or playing video games too much. And for me, Mike, at least over the last maybe even 10 years, actually, I've really actively avoided keeping a television in my bedroom because it's too, almost too tempting to, after dinner or late into the night, say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to watch an hour in bed or I'll play a video game in bed. And when mm. I hear colleagues or friends of mine who do that, it, it's such a big no-no for me that I'm surprised that, that they would do it because I need my bedroom and I need my routine leading up to when I go to sleep to be uh, light-free or at least blue light-free in order to ramp down and get ready for sleep. I think that's yeah. a really big reminder. And it's similar to what Cal Newport was revealing to us with his digital detox work, you know, with regards mm. to focus and not being distracted while you're, you're doing one thing. I think the same yeah. is true here. You're focusing on going to sleep. So don't be distracted. <laughs> yeah. That's a great take, Mike. I love that. I, I, look, I think, um, just a few, um, a few things that have just been great for me is, um, no phone in the bedroom, mm. huge mark. Um, how do you go? Are you able to resist the temptation or does that little iPhone sneak in? I'm, I'm good at resisting it before bed. You know, I'll put it into uh, yeah. do not disturb mode, focus mode, um, maybe yeah. an hour before going to bed. At, admittedly in the morning, I'll tend to take a look at it maybe after a certain period of time, but I've very, very, actively try hard to not reach for it as soon as I wake up because I'm aware that that light will suddenly trigger my brain into kind of an anxious mode actually. So it does sneak in the room. It does. It does sneak in my room because it's my alarm clock. And that's ah. the, that's the, the, the falsehood that I have here. And I need to get myself okay. an old fashioned wind up clock, I think. <laughs> totally. Or use your Apple watch. Yes. Um, honestly, I would say not bringing the phone into the bedroom, huge breakthrough for improving my sleep. The next one is having a Kindle so that I'm not getting an LED screen. I'm just getting mm. e-ink. And I have this great ritual. I mean, it's a little bit frustrating. I read in bed um, and the funny thing is though, because of the ritualization I've done of going to bed and training my body is that I can only ever read about four or five <laughs> pages. And then every time I start, I'm like, oh, I don't remember reading this page. So I have to go back a few. <laughs> so I'm like the slowest reader. Um, and you know, I choose not to read anything work related. Mm. Um, 
And in fact, one thing I've been doing recently is like I used to, to read like a lot of spy thrillers and stuff, totally unrelated to work. I'm now just reading um, uh, like the history of great philosophers and stuff like this because what I noticed is um, I'm reading this great series uh, at the moment and it's so captivating that it actually keeps me awake. So. <laughs> I'm now trying to find more boring uh, academic stuff to read in bed <laughs> in order to like knock myself off. But the point here is, is that get that phone the hell out of the bedroom. Um, and another thing, you know, to build on like no iPhone, Kindle only. The other thing is even what I do is that last 30 minutes before I go to, uh, to bed, if I've been wearing a jumper uh, or, or a hoodie, I take it off. So mm. I'm just in a T-shirt just to cool down a little bit, take off socks. It's another thing that I just kind of worked out, um, works for me really well. And then this is going to sound really, really, really silly, but it totally works, is I don't um, sort of rush around the house. I deliberately sort of um, walk and move slower Oh. Um, just, just to always keep my heart rate down. So I'm, I'm really kind of almost going into this semi hibernation mode before entering the bedroom. Oh, I like that. I like the, I like the tips there on reducing your core temperature, like Matthew was saying. Yep. So removing yep. the socks and so on, but I also like the slower pace. I think that's a really nice idea. Uh, yeah. I think it's critical because, um, you know, explore, test and experiment with what you think can help. Just get the system to slow down because mm. then when the heart rate slows down and you're not too hot, you're breathing well, then that transition is just really, really easy. And uh, we got, we, we've got another quick set of tips here. Um, and uh, these are the ones that, uh, that Matthew Walker says, don't make him so popular but nevertheless, they're important. The fourth critical factor is actually avoiding alcohol and caffeine. Um, unfortunately, this makes me deeply unpopular, but um, alcohol is perhaps the most misunderstood drug when it comes to sleep. People think that it helps them fall asleep. That's not actually true. Alcohol is a class of drugs that we call the sedatives. And what you're doing is just knocking your brain out. You're not putting it into natural sleep. We also know that alcohol will fragment your sleep, so you'll wake up many more times throughout the night. And alcohol is also a very potent chemical for blocking your dream sleep or your rapid eye movement sleep. Caffeine is also a problem. Many of us know that caffeine can keep us awake. It's an alerting chemical. It's a stimulant in terms of a class of drugs. But few people know that even if you can have a cup of coffee after dinner and you fall asleep fine and maybe you stay asleep, the depth of the deep sleep that you have when there is caffeine within your brain isn't as deep as when you have abstained from that cup of coffee after dinner. So as a consequence, you wake up the next morning, you feel unrefreshed and you don't remember waking up or having a difficult time falling asleep, but now you find yourself reaching for two or three cups of coffee in the morning and you develop this dependency, this addiction cycle. The fifth and final tip for better sleep is to not stay in bed awake. 
So if you haven't fallen asleep within 20 or so minutes, or you've woken up and you're finding it difficult to fall back asleep, don't stay in bed awake. The reason is that your brain very quickly starts to learn the association between your bed being about the place that you're awake rather than your bed being about sleep. So the advice is to get up, go to uh, another room, and in dim light, just read a book. No screens, no email checking, no food. And only when you feel sleepy should you return to bed. And that way you can actually then relearn the association between your bedroom being about the place of sleep rather than being awake. I should also note that some people don't like the idea of getting up and uh, going out to a different room if it's dark and they're warm in bed. An alternative is actually meditation. Meditation has been demonstrated in clinical trials to help people just relax the body, calm down the fight or flight branch of the nervous system that can happen when we wake up in the middle of the night and we have that Rolodex of anxiety thoughts. And by meditating, you can start to quiet the mind as well as the body. And that also helps you fall back asleep more easily. I mean, that's quite a surprising tip for me, Mike, this idea that if I can't fall asleep rather than perhaps lying there and yeah. getting frustrated, do you know how bad that is when you're, when you're, <laughs> you're thinking, why can't I sleep? And then your mind goes off on a tangent and you start thinking, oh, maybe I can't sleep because of work or is it something I ate or whatever. And so you sort of start that cycle of, of wondering, why can't I sleep? And then therefore you don't sleep. I like this quite surprising idea from, from Matthew there saying, well, just get up and change the association that your body's going to have with going to bed and create a slightly better habit. Mm, mm. I totally made the mistake of fighting the good fight to get back to sleep. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's definitely been, have you, you, you've been the same. Have you always tried to wrestle back, back to sleep for like maybe 10, 20, 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whether it's just lying there in the dark, looking up at the ceiling, um, or whether it's having an active mind running around trying to count sheep. I've tried to count sheep in the past. I don't know whether you did have it work. Mike. Did it uh, work? No, no, it didn't. <laughs> if, if, if anything, I was more stimulated because I was wondering how high the number I could get to. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there are definitely some good techniques on YouTube to get yourself back to sleep. Um, one of them is uh, you breathe in and breathe out, and, and you're like in, and you say the word in out, like it put all your attention on breath mm. and pretty soon the, the, the brain just kind of turns off all, all sorts of stuff to do there. I mean, the lesson here is like self-awareness, mm. alcohol, caffeine, um, like you are in control. These are all choices you can make about how you want to sleep. And hopefully we've made today on this show the case for why that's so damn in important, you know, even if all the science doesn't get you, please, you'll just feel better. Good sleep, feel good, go make the day happen. So I think at this point, Mark, it is only fitting that we return for one last time to Matthew Walker and he's going to try and I think he's going to make a very good case for sleep and the power that it has and why, in fact, it's just like a Swiss army knife. And then finally, in taking a step back then, what is the mission-critical statement here? Well, I think it may be this. 
Sleep, unfortunately, is not an optional lifestyle luxury. Sleep is a non-negotiable biological necessity. It is your life support system, and it is Mother Nature's best effort yet at immortality. And the decimation of sleep throughout industrialized nations is having a catastrophic impact on our health, our wellness, even the safety and the education of our children. It's a silent sleep loss epidemic, and it is fast becoming one of the greatest public health challenges that we face in the 21st century. I believe it is now time for us to reclaim our right to a full night of sleep. And without embarrassment or that unfortunate stigma of laziness, And in doing so, we can be reunited with the most powerful elixir of life, the Swiss army knife of health, as it were. Sleep is the Swiss army knife of health, the life support system, maybe even the elixir of life. I mean, Mike, Mm. what a way to round out our show on Dr. Matthew Walker and his book, Why We Sleep. I know. It's like, that was a very good very good um, case for it. I mean, thinking of it as uh, an opportunity to reclaim our right, like this this is a theme that has has come up a lot because, you know, I've often uh, mentioned uh, in the show, I think we're at a, at a war for our attention. Like we have so much notifications and screens that we can become quite unaware and fall victim to serving the screens rather than serving ourselves. You know what I mean? Like there are emails, notifications, uh, voice commands, smart devices. Um, we're, we're being bombarded, right? And, and, and sleep is, is like a sanctuary, isn't it? Yeah, sleep is perhaps the only time that a lot of us spend any time disconnected from work, from friends, from family, uh, because you have the assumption that I must reply right now. I need to be effective. I need to be efficient. If I don't respond right now, what's going to happen? And what ends up happening is much more personal to you because it has that impact on your brain. It has that impact on your body and your immune system. And I think what I've learned from today's show, Mike, is actually how important that sleep really is, not only from, like we've covered, an emotional and a healthy and happy perspective from a mindset, but actually far more deep-rooted in in my body and my DNA. I mean, this has been a pretty impactful show for me. And as part of the health series, it feels like it's another utility within my belt that I can work on in order to be you know, more focused and, and better at what I do. Or just avoid doing some of that genetic damage or, or, yes. or immune system damage that uh, Matthew Walker pointed out. That's crazy, isn't it? It's really, really surprising. And what a great set of lessons, both practical as well as scientific, that Matthew had for us today. Mm. So uh, what's the one thing that changes, Mark, now that we've done the sleep show what changes in the Mark Pearson Freeland habit system? Oh, well, actually, I think I'm going to maintain um, the, the sort of habits I have around sleep with regards to routine, with regards to avoiding 
alcohol, caffeine. I also avoid sugar when it gets late into the evening. Yeah, I think that yeah. has an impact as well. Um, the thing I'm going to change is actually, Mike, it's the build that you had, which was losing uh, your jumper or your socks in order to help bring yourself into a slightly cooler temperature yeah. prior to going yeah. Because I, I run pretty hot. So I think that's a really nice, very practical and actionable tip that I'm going to start giving a go. Yeah. And what we learned in the last show is that when you get that uh, heart rate down, which obviously being, if you're really warm, your heart rate is up. When your heart rate is slower, you're calmer. Mm. But it's also the perfect uh, segue uh, to sleep. Uh, what I think about it uh, as is going into like this kind of monk mode uh, before sleep that just is about mindset, cooling the jets down and being ready to put away a good eight hours. Yeah, that's exactly it. Well, Mark, thank you. Uh, thank you for all your help pulling together this show and this health series, which is absolutely uh, bringing me new insights and challenging me to think holistically about being the best version of myself. And thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us on this journey of health. And today it was all about breath with the author Matthew Walker and his book, Why We Sleep. So it is sleep that is where the good things happen. In fact, what we learn from him is sleep is our way of saving information. It's hitting that save button. And the science really tells us that sleep has a direct relationship with the brain and with the immune system to better memory, better health, less of those gremlins in your health system so that you can be the very best you can be. So how do we do it? It's about making it regular, keeping the room cool and dark and avoiding those elixirs of alcohol and caffeine. And if you do wake, get the hell out of bed because you never want to make that association with bed and being awake. Do these things and you'll not only be feeling good, you will have tapped into your right as in fact Matthew said reclaim your right to a good night's sleep and you will have a Swiss army knife not only for sleep but for health so that you can be the very best version of yourself and that's what we're all about here at the Moonshots podcast that's a wrap